0: everyone and welcome to oceans unlocked first ever podcast. First
1: podcast
0: today's episode is going to be on coasts um yep. we're gonna be looking at the uk coastlines and all their ecosystems gonna go across the world gonna be looking at mangroves and coral reefs
1: yeah woo, everyone likes coral reefs
0: <laughs> they do
1: we're gonna try and make it not all doom and gloom yeah
0: we? going to try and shed some light on the issues make it upbeat Mm -hmm.
1: Um, most of most most podcasts about the ocean are just how screwed it is and how everyone is at fault for the the destruction of the ocean but we're going to try and try and shed some light
0: yeah um so yeah if you have any questions or you want us to talk about a specific topic then you can message us on instagram oceans unlocked all one word yes, or you can comment on our posts
1: yeah yeah we'll, we'll update regularly on when when our next podcasts are coming out and we're gonna have extra extra content over there which will be good yeah. to look at
0: so everyone i've got a question for you mm-hmm. in europe which country... I'm, I'm answering
1: this as well aren't i yes so i don't know the question
0: yeah in Europe, which country has the longest national coastline? Um,
1: give you a couple seconds. I'm gonna make my guess. I'd go with probably maybe Italy, somewhere like that. Maybe Spain.
0: Well, that is a good guess, but it is not correct. Oh. The answer is actually the UK. The UK. We have thirty-one thousand kilometers of coastline. Wow. And on top of that, coastlines. Only make up about eight percent of the Earth's total land, but they have 26% twenty-six percent of all biological diversity. Wow. Yeah.
1: So, so is that things like fish, crabs, everything you find in, in just coastal regions, like mangroves, maybe uh, yeah. coral reefs. Yeah. What else is there? Phytoplankton, zooplankton, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 That's really that's that's up there with. Um, the diversity finding rainforests there.
0: yeah i think coastlines are basically like the rainforest yeah.
1: of, of the, ocean. the ocean well for example which leads us it's nicely into the next section which is kelp forests
0: oh yeah
1: they are literally the forests of the ocean do you want to tell us a bit more about that or, sh- or is this Is this shall i go i think i should go yeah you go i'll go i'll go <laughs> um well, they are very similar to the to the to the forest as they have a similar structure to plants. Yeah. So they have the the root structure is called a holdfast. Now this this attaches to rocks and stuff, doesn't it? mm mm-hmm. Any any debris on the, the ocean floor. So like the roots of a plant rooting it down, um, and then there's a there's a stalk like like a plant. Yeah. Which is called a stipe, and then um, they have fronds that spread out like leaves to to capture all the light because they photosynthesize too. So they need large fleshy leaf-like structures to capture all of this light to grow and they do grow very well mm. they can grow to two, two foot a day in, wow. in some areas like like California I think is where they, they grow the, the largest.
0: Um, aren't they in the UK as well?
1: Yeah we do have the, we do have them in the UK. Um, they, they have been they have been halved pretty much in in populations. In the 1980s and 90s they were destroyed until there was very mm. little left. Um, they did it doing like trawling techniques and, and sediment dumping that sort of stuff oh um, yeah um, if, if, if you're not familiar with how the sediment dumping would affect them if you if you think like a normal plant it's probably because we're most familiar with them if you dumped a lot of sediment on top of them then they're obviously not going to be able to photosynthesize and therefore grow or even due to the climate change they're less likely to be resistant to that and recover but that's why um, we have less help for us because they haven't recovered from these these 40 years ago because it's hard because the water's so cloudy that they're just it's hard to get the right amount of light levels to photosynthesize and and grow as to in their optimum levels wow so yeah
0: that is interesting and did you see recently well recently maybe a year or two ago um one of our lecturers dr ian hendy he was (laughs) he was featured in a documentary with sir david attenborough um basically focusing on (laughs) kelp forests in the uk and their importance Mm -hmm. and how we really need to focus on conserving them because they are like one of the most productive ecosystems uh, on the planet
1: that's because of the nursery function right
0: well the nursery function is one part of why they're so important um for those of you who don't know nursery function is basically in the ecosystem, it's where all the baby fish grow up. Basically, a Nemo grows up. <laughs> yeah, so they they're born here, and then because the area is so protected from predators, etc., easy places to yeah. hide. It's just a good place for Lots the fish food. to grow up. Lots yeah. of food. Yeah, nutrition.
1: Yeah. Um, What's the, what what how else are they productive then?
0: Okay, well, the main role of the kelp forests is they're really important in the carbon cycle, Okay. which people wouldn't really think oceans, carbon cycle, you think land-based, Yeah. but they actually capture 75% of the net carbon fixed in the sea. So oh, they, wow. they're a huge part of the carbon fixation in the ocean. Yeah. So, Literally are
1: the forests of the sea then, capturing yeah. that much carbon.
0: Yeah, the car. There's so much carbon drawdown into kelp forests. It's crazy.
1: And they, they're, they're good storm defenses as well, aren't they? Oh they, yeah. They They take a lot of the um the wave energy out. Yeah. So coastal places aren't you know devastated as badly as um as they could be, as they yeah. well, as they would be uh, in the nineteen and nineteen nineties and nineteen eighties
0: and because climate change is making storm surges worse Mm. this is a really important time to have more storm defences so yeah
1: i think it's time to to go abroad to get away into the the sunnier areas of the world i think we should start talking about mangroves now these are my personal favorite (laughs) i love a mangrove um there are about 80 different species of mangrove trees didn't you know i used to think there was just the one mangrove species (laughs) now these are these are really special plants because they can grow in areas of low oxygen soil when really not a lot else can grow Mm. um but they have to be in relatively slow moving waters i mean they have the tide coming in and out yeah but um they also actually can act as great storm defenses actually recently did a a uh, a poster on this uh, a presentation on this and it was about the management of destructive intertidal shrimp farms in indonesia now these shrimp farms are done by clearing out acres and acres of these mangroves and just replacing it with a pond pretty much that they fill with shrimp and can just harvest really quick and then they just move on they just leave these ponds how they are and then if you can imagine when there's a massive storm surge maybe maybe an earthquake has happened and the waves are coming in you can imagine how these waves can just glide straight over these ponds and just devastate the local towns Mm. and there's there's so many papers on um how mangroves have have just taken away so much wave energy that when it gets to the towns there's a lot less damage done thousands of lives can be saved and even millions of pounds um can be saved
0: that's a very good point
1: yeah and um they're also amazing for D- biodiversity, as all of these all of these um, habitats we are we're talking about are also um, they're one of the most important nursery grounds I think of any habitat in the ocean. I think more than more than coral reefs and
0: yeah, definitely
1: maybe on par with seagrasses. But you always see you know juvenile black teeth reef black tip reef sharks, or God, um, in these areas <laughs> and and juvenile reef fish basically that then move out onto the coral bommies, don't they, mm-hmm. and then out onto the to the main reef when they're when they're old enough.
0: Yeah, and another reason why mangroves matter is because they are extremely important for carbon storage. Um, almost, I'd say, more important than kelp forests for carbon storage. Ooh, big statement. Because mangroves only occupy zero point five percent of global coastal area. However, they contribute ten to fifteen percent to coastal sediment carbon storage globally. Wow. So they do this through a process called sequestration, which I've recently done an assignment on. Um, so basically, the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is taken in by the trees um, through via photosynthesis. Um, some carbon is lost back into the atmosphere through respiration. However, the rest is stored in the leaves, branches and the roots. Okay. And the roots of mangroves are really important because there's lots of different types of roots and they've all been specially adapted in different ways. And it is where most of the carbon is stored within a mangrove tree.
1: Yeah. They're, they're also stored, you know, when the, the leaves fall off the, or the roots fall off, like these, these prop roots, they look like, like stalks coming out of the ground. Uh, if they if they die, they can be used as carbon storage as well, because the carbon is stored until until it decomposes slowly, so it's not just a mass, mm. you know, release of carbon into the atmosphere, which can cause you know spikes in spikes in temperature and things like that. if there's a massive storm event and a lot of trees are, are dying yeah. at a certain time.
0: Also, I'd just like to add that if you guys want us to do individual episodes on each of these ecosystems, yeah. or you want more information on these we'd be happy to do that because we're literally only giving like a brief overview of the most important coastal ecosystems yeah, make to us aware. yeah um just showing you the impacts of humans on each of them basically
1: god i thought we said we we're going to keep it um, <laughs> not doom and gloom
0: yeah well <laughs> yeah
1: i think next we should move on to seagrasses another important Ooh. another <laughs> another important uh, ecosystem support a wide array of creatures really from massive dugongs and manatees you know that the cows of the sea to tiny Mm -hmm. little seahorses that that cling on with their their little tails um they play a very similar role to mangroves in the the way they they can defend coastlines again i I keep going on about this all of these coastline defenses but these natural defenses that really don't cost anything are the best defenses Mm. we have from erosion you know these 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 seagrasses' roots they help strengthen the sediments so they, they stay together more there's less sediment erosion which means that there's less coastal erosion mm. they they're a cleaner of the water they, they take in a lot of these harmful chemicals so they don't go out into coral reefs and damage them more so they're more likely to get bleached they also um, fight against climate change again I know we talk about carbon a lot but everything these natural processes that draw down carbon are extremely important in the fight of climate change because there's no way we're going to be able to artificially stop this we need to we need to use nature to our advantage to draw down more carbon i think Mm, yeah and and replant these areas because they're really a a provider for all all organisms really including humans there's many coastal Mm. communities that that need these areas just to, to thrive. You know, they don't have access to uh, a local market, so they have to they get they get their own stuff and they just provide for themselves um, using using these ecosystems, catching small things like cuttlefish, octopus, or small shellfish that they just pick off the reef and only pick what they need. Really, mm. which I think is quite a sustainable way of fishing.
0: So the final coastal ecosystem we will be talking about today are coral reefs.
1: Yeah, everyone loves a coral reef.
0: Everyone loves a coral reef. Most people, when they think of coral reefs, think tropics, Caribbean, Mm -hmm. lovely sunny holiday. Yeah, pretty much. But they are found throughout the ocean. They can be found in the deep depths of the ocean. Thousands of
1: meters down.
0: Yeah, even in the Antarctic where it's cold.
1: I'm pretty sure we have a reef off the coast of Scotland, you know. We have them closer to home than we think.
0: Mm, we do. But the biggest coral reefs are thousands of years old and they usually thrive in warm, clear, shallow water mm-hmm. where there's lots of sun. Yes. Because they have algae as a part of them that requires light, obviously, to photosynthesize. Mm-hmm. And this algae is symbiotic. Zuzanthaly. And it's called zoosensiae. It's symbiotic with the coral polyp, which is like the animal part of the coral. Corals
1: are animals, if you didn't know.
0: Oh, yeah. That's another fact. Everyone thinks that they're just plants.
1: Or just rocks. Or have (laughs) heard before. No, they're actually animals.
0: Yeah. And they're actually very fragile animals. Um, Unfortunately, coral reef ecosystems are severely threatened. And there are many different causes like stresses that can cause them to bleach basically so this is where the zooxanthellae and the coral polyp leave their- they're expelled yes basically and what is left behind is a calcium carbonate skeleton as most of the color from the corals actually comes from the photosynthetic algae which is the zooxanthellae The stresses that cause this bleaching can include pollution, um, sedimentation, unsustainable fishing practices and especially climate change Um, because coral bleaching occurs when there is only a slight change in temperature. It It can be be of one degree.
1: Yeah, especially during bleaching events where the temperature is especially warm, maybe El Nino events, which is when the temperature warms from even just two degrees, Mm. can cause mass bleaching events.
0: However, it isn't all doom and gloom. There is light at the end of the tunnel because corals can reproduce. So it only happens about once a year and the conditions have to be perfect, but corals can release their fertilized eggs into the water column where the current will take them away from this current space um, and they can settle on a new substrate where the conditions hopefully are optimum. um, Less, And then therefore, there is a smaller chance of a bleaching event for this new colony.
1: So there you have it. You've heard our views on the most important coastal ecosystems. Just a quick recap. We've got coral reefs got mangroves my favorite. we've got seagrasses and we've got close to home kelp beds. Now this is our first ever podcast. so if you have any comments at all whether you like it or parts you dislike just let us know we can all we're always looking to improve these podcasts and make them better for your for your well, going because say viewing your hearing pleasure.
0: <laughs> so yeah if you want to give us a follow on Spotify, Instagram, we're on anchor find us all over the place um and join us
1: on this journey yes of discovery (laughs) aboard the discovery train no no (laughs)